Hey everyone, I'm Andrew, and you're listening to Small Efforts, a collaboration between Crit and Miss Grants. And hi, I'm Sean. Small Efforts is a show where we talk about cybersecurity, design, and the continuous small efforts it takes to build a business. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, how's it going? Going all right. Yeah. Things were slow for a little while, but stressful because they were slow. And now they're getting busy and they're stressful because they're busy, which is just the constant yin and yang of of running an agency, I feel like. You know, I feel like we have very similar (laughs) busy and slow periods because same, which is weird. But maybe that's just how this industry works. I've, I've often wondered, you know, we feel like so much of this is in in our control. And to some degree it is like, if you don't put yourself out there, you're not ever going to get business. But there is a part of me that sometimes wonders how much we're deluding ourselves about the control that we have. And like, you know, all the Legion efforts we're doing, how much of them are actually moving the needle and how many of them are just like me feeling good because I'm feel like I'm doing something. And in reality, it's just a matter of waiting until people are ready to buy again. Yeah, no, I think like to me, it almost seems like it's just a fiscal quarter thing. You know, every time it's the end of a quarter, (laughs) people want to start buying and paying us money. And anytime it's the beginning, people are iffy on it. I don't know that it's been quite that clear cut for us over the years. Like for a while, for a couple of years, the beginning of the year, like January to March would always be really slow. And then last year and this year, January to March was like the busiest time of the year for us. It was super, super busy. So end of summer, July-ish is usually pretty slow. Although I'm kind of wondering if that will start changing as we get into security more and more because DEF CON and Black Hat. Yeah, it's it's super funny that you say that because I mapped out all the revenue and expenses and everything and like try to make some form of projections. Not that they were accurate whatsoever. I don't remember how to like build out like a DCF model for my life anymore, but there's a blip in July. Like there's just like, like, like a whole significant figure blip in July for some reason. But yeah, I don't know. It's almost like a valley between. I'll have to look back at our numbers and see how big the dip is for us. And if it's been consistent over, I think we've probably got like three years of solid numbers before that we weren't tracking in a way that's super useful although i could probably take the the data out of quickbooks yeah so basically you know i feel like i've been talking about legion basically since we started the (laughs) the podcast and leads are finally starting to come in the door nice it's you know we've we've probably gotten four or five quality leads in the past two to three weeks and we're you know negotiating a, a retainer with an existing client that I think we'll we'll probably sign and trying to things are starting to to fill up again, and so now the pressure shifts from generating the leads to okay, how do we get the work done? And so I'm you know we're we've been in kind of the hiring process for the past few weeks, going well, had some some good promising full time candidates, but we're also looking at you know would this be a good time to bring on a contractor. Haven't had great luck with contractors before, but it's something we want to keep trying because it is a more flexible, more potentially more scalable option. If we could build that stable of trustworthy contractors, we can a little bit more accurately sort of pinpoint the skill set we need. Don't want to go through quite as big a dip next time. 
again, going back to, I don't know how much I can really control, but I at least feel like I can control it enough that I, I want to keep my foot on the gas as much as I can. So the constant, the constant struggle. I don't know if this is helpful, but, but something that we do to kind of build out our stable of contractors is when we don't have periods of busy work, we test multiple contractors. Not, not that we like, we test out working with multiple contractors on like much smaller, lower risk projects, like things that I know that my designers can get done, but because we're kind of in this like experimenting mode, we'll kind of give it to a contractor to do have one of our, and also gives like one of our designers the chance to direct a little bit and grow that skill set, and you know do a little bit of that like uh, management, and that that's worked pretty well for us in helping kind of figure out who's good to keep around and who's who who we might not want to work with again. But recently, we found that we don't want to work with any of the manufacturers we've been talking to which is interesting but that that's a clothing thing yeah manufacturing is such a awful weird world and finding a good one is not as easy as i thought it would be like i didn't think i thought it was just like an instagram dm or like a wechat or whatsapp dm it's not <laughs> there's a lot more to it yeah that seems pretty overwhelming i don't i don't know much of anything about that world is is that the same as like a supplier for some of the merchandise you all are doing or is when you're talking about a manufacturer, are you talking about something different? Yeah. Yeah. So, so we've been working on creating some of our own jackets and hoodies and creating something, some things that are experimental. So for example, something that we've invested a little bit of time and money into, you know, how like all of finance and all of like Silicon Valley startup culture, like they all have like Patagonia vests or soft shells. And that's cool. I just have too many soft shells. And it's been interesting for us to see how we could develop our own jacket as like a blank corporate merchandise thing, just because we have some clients that ask us to create internal merchandise already. And they haven't been too happy with the jackets they received. So we've been trying to figure out something there. Also as a way to kind of test the water as we kind of move to cut and sew for our our own like clothing line. But cool. It sounds exciting and interesting and hard. <laughs> Yeah. How's the hiring process going for you all? It's good. So last episode that won't come out until like what next week or something. But last episode, I feel, I feel weird because I realized that last episode I said that we're hiring a PM. This episode we've now hired a PM, but now all of our 10 listeners get closure. We hired <laughs> a PM. She's really awesome. She also has a computer science degree, which is crazy. Sorry. Not that she's crazy, but it's awesome and like awesome crazy. It's really good to have some more technical talent on the team, but she's an awesome project manager, kind of been fixing a lot of our standardizing a lot of our processes and and ma making sure just like making sure that I have time to focus on other things, which is nice. Like, you know, I've had to do a lot of it and I think I do a pretty good job for the most part. Like we can handle a lot of our clients things pretty well and have a pretty flexible scope of work. But having Shafa on the team is definitely a breath of fresh air. So welcome to the team. We also hired another person last night, actually. Exciting. What, what role? He is going to be our audio and video producer. So we do branding, right? We do, we do, and I think we do really great branding and identity work. Um, and even on the strategy and positioning side, when we give decks back, I just think an extension of that has been brand execution. And I think a well-executed brand and well-managed brand is the same thing as a good demand gen program. I think those two, or in fact, those two go hand in hand, right? So 
an example of this and basically probably the most successful long-term demand gen strategy or I don't know, I guess we call it a tactic that we've seen is just LinkedIn video. And since we since we're doing a lot of marketing work for our clients and execution for implementation for our clients, I've started thinking about how to bring that more in-house rather than working with some of our contractors or some people loosely or even working with like the client's content team and whatnot. So we brought that in-house. Really excited to have Austin join us as well. Um, he's also a I think music producer, which is cool. I think that's like his hobby. So I think we can get some music for this podcast out of him, maybe. That'd be awesome. Yeah, that's super interesting. So I have started focusing a lot more on LinkedIn. For a long time, I stayed far, far away because I just hated hated it. But if you curate your feed, if you like are active about sort of unfollowing people who are being really obnoxious and spammy, then it becomes a, a pretty powerful tool. And I've read some really interesting stuff. There's a, a growth marketing company called Demand Curve that put together a really great guide to LinkedIn organic content and how to grow organically on LinkedIn. Video was was sort of like a footnote in the guide. It was kind of like something they didn't quite have time to get into, but they were like, the thesis of the guide was essentially that LinkedIn is a massive platform where the majority of people are not creating any content at all. And they need that content in order to boost engagement and you know have a useful platform. And so there's a big opportunity to become a content creator on on LinkedIn because the the algorithm will latch onto you and and sort of boost you more than on some other platforms right now. And video is even an even more intense example of that because it's a newer part of LinkedIn and there's so few people creating LinkedIn video content that the video content that does get there that is good gets a lot of boost. Combine that with it just seems like the security community is very active on LinkedIn, especially the the you know higher level, you know, VPs, C suite kind of security community. Yeah, that seems like a really, a really smart strategy. Thanks. Yeah. I wonder how much of this was affected by the fall of Peerlist as well. Peerlist is was a social media for security people. And and I would say like also IT professionals, but it was a big fo- there was a big focus on security. It almost felt like it felt like Medium plus Facebook plus LinkedIn altogether. A lot of a lot of peerless ended up failing because the content that was created wasn't very well curated, and because of that, a lot of the a lot of the content became listicles, right? It was like ten things that your IT department should care about or or whatnot. And I think eventually engagement just dropped so much. Yeah, listicles were great if we're talking about like. 2010, 2012, but yeah, people demand a little bit more engaging content now. For sure. Yeah. So anyway, that's our strategy is, so if you are a company looking for LinkedIn video content and looking to create that, you know, run those campaigns for yourselves, you should hit us up or hit me up, misscreens.co. But yeah. What, what does your onboarding process look like for these two new employees? Our onboarding sucks. And that's a conversation I've been having with Shafa on how to how to actually create a standard operating procedure and a standard onboarding and offboarding procedure. And I think it, it's been it's been rough because we are I think I told you that we were sticking with Rike or that we were trying out Rike for project management. I think we are nearing the end of our project management like tool journey as well, or figuring it out for onboarding. Right now, it's, you know, we, we send them up with G Suite, invite them to Slack, 
really their initial tasks are really just doing one-on-ones with the team. We still have a pretty small core team of six people, right? Getting them meeting the team, getting them part of stand-up, and then giving them a kind of low-risk, smaller project to get started on, and then having some guidance with a senior or more senior member of the team is usually pretty helpful. And then we kind of just go from there. Yeah, I mean, that's essentially essentially what we do. I can send you our docs that we have written up about it if it would be helpful. In general, though, I think they've gotten a little out of date. We we probably need to do some updating when we hire our next our next person. But yeah, we essentially bring them on, try to start off with like, here's what the culture is, here's what the process is, here's what to expect. Get them like reading about you know crit and reading about projects, and then give them a couple of small tasks that are designed to be a little bit self-contained. Aim for them to get you know for engineers get like sort of a PR done within the first week. Small PR for you know designers. I don't know if we have it quite that well defined. Like sort of what the the first goal is for that week one, and then go from there. A lot of yeah, a lot of one on ones in in that first week. And yeah, we're we're only at seven right now, so this, this we're looking for our eighth person full time, um, and then we've got a couple of part time people helping out with marketing and admin. Something that we that I've been thinking about getting the team to do is I, I forget which company did this, or it was in like whose guide. Actually, I think it was is in I think it was in Basecamp's guide. It was basically doing a user wiki, so in Notion that every single member has a how to work with me guide. Like these, are the, this is like the way I like to communicate. This is like I prefer, you know, direct praise. I prefer, you know, what or whatever. Like, and I think that might be helpful. Um, and then in the beginning of running miscreants, the goal was always to hire my friends, but you know, at some point I have to hire people and then make them my friends. So it's a little different, you know. <laughs> So last year, I think we did a, a virtual retreat, and as part of that retreat, we had the writer Laura Bosco, who we've done a lot of work with, had her lead a like sort of a workshop where we all wrote how to work with me guides. They are difficult to write. Like I still think mine is unfinished a year later. <laughs> like I I got it mostly done, and but but then it's still relatively unfinished. And so yeah, we we found them surprisingly difficult to write. Um, and so we kind of wrote them and but haven't made it a consistent enough part of the onboarding process to have new people write them and everything. So I love the concept. I think they're super cool. I think it takes some time though. You gotta really be willing to dedicate some time to it and make it a part of again that onboarding process. We use a tool called Know Your Team to manage our one-on-ones. And they have like an icebreaker feature or something like that that will ask new team members when they first get onboarded to know your team, a couple of those kind of work with you questions. That's a much lower effort way to get at some of that. But I'm still not sure how much people are using it, like how much people actually go back and reference it. So maybe we just need to link to it from from some other places. But it is a cool feature and their questions are are really solid. The other thing that I've been thinking about a little bit lately is like, Maybe, and this is one of those things that seems great in theory, but my fear is that it would become outdated really quickly and so would be hard to keep up to date. But I've been thinking about creating like a little drip email campaign for new new employees. It's like, hey, here's you know, here's some content to read, but like one piece a day. And like one of the things that I would love to make a part of our onboarding is like a little bit of, you know, security training, a little bit of diversity and inclusion training, like, but not in 
a big, massive, overwhelming way. And so I was kind of thinking that a sort of two-week drip email campaign could be a really cool way to do some of that. I wonder if we're too small to start doing those things. And, and also, like, I wonder, like, how much of an annoyance the drip email campaign could be, perhaps. Just because if your team is still pretty small, a lot of the things can be kind of sent through Slack. And, and also, like, I don't know, I think my my experience with new hires is, you know, even on, like, day one or day two, like, they just want to start working on something and have been... But, yeah, I don't know. Like, is there is there a difference? I, I guess the question is, is there a difference in just sending them all of that on this on the first day? Like, if you dump somebody into a form that's two pages long, that's kind of a nightmare, and half the time people just won't do it. They'll just bounce. Versus if you give people a little bit at a time. So like right now, we do send people a reading list and we send people, give people access to our standard operating procedures and we you know point them to the blog. And so much of this content that I'm talking about is already there, but you know people don't know what to start with, where to go first, I think. And so, I don't know. I'm I'm with you. I think it could be too much, too fast. But at the same time, I'm trying. I've been trying to think of like, how do I make sure? Like, there's some things that you know I want people to know when they join Crit. So I want them to know some of the basic security like jargon, right? And does that really need to be me telling them that jargon, or is there a better way to do that? And then simple things like. One of our designers who's been with us for a year didn't know that we had a newsletter. And so it's like, oh shit, that should be part of the onboarding. It's like, here's the newsletter. And then I was like, well, should I just create like some sort of little email sequence? And then at the end of it, it's like an opt-in. Like, hey, we have a newsletter. Do you want to join? Click here. Yeah. You know what I hate? I hate that when we talk about these things, my first reaction is to go, oh, that could be a startup or that could be a side project. <laughs> and that gets me to go and register a domain name. And that domain name sits there for years. What a segue. Thank you. 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 For those of you that don't know, Andrew and I pre-decide what we talk about before the show sometimes. And this time we have a cool theme. I guess is what we call it. Yeah, so this started because a friend of mine had a brilliant podcast episode or a podcast concept. He wanted to interview different founders, entrepreneurs about their domain name portfolio. So it's like, what are all the domain names that you have bought that you have never done anything with? And he wanted to turn it into a whole podcast. And I think it would be a brilliant podcast. I really want it to exist. He doesn't want to make it. <laughs> he also wants it to exist. Gosh. But I thought it would be fun to take that idea and run with it and do it do it today for small efforts. So but yeah, that that segue was was way smoother. Thank you. Great. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. So we've each we've each come up with a list of five domain names that we have been sitting on for a long time. I will admit a couple of mine I have let go. I think two of mine I've let go, but I I'm gonna resurrect them today. The first one is one I am still sitting on. Do you want me to like tell you the domain name and then you guess what the business is? Or Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Yeah. The domain name is IndieKeywords.com. Ah, interesting. Is this SEO related? Yep. Okay, cool, cool. Nice. I mean, my guess is just like like an SEO niche type of thing. Like, like, a, like a niche finder 
SEO keyword brilliant research. Yeah. Nice. You got it. Yes. Yeah. So I was getting into SEO research, learning about keyword research a, a couple of years ago. And I was having a blast with it. Like I genuinely enjoy doing keyword research. I love sitting there and like just digging through a is it Ahrefs or is it Hrefs? I think it's just supposed to be pronounced Hrefs. I just call them Hrefs, yeah. Hrefs, yeah. I, I love digging through like Hrefs and Moz data and trying to find like opportunities for undervalued keywords. And I was like, honestly, this is fun. People would probably pay for this because a lot of people don't find this fun. And so I wanted to create just a newsletter, you know, a paid weekly newsletter for sort of underutilized keywords. So each edition would be, hey, here's 10 keywords around this one topic that have like relatively low competition. So if you could get five or six backlinks for each of these, you'd all of a sudden have like a solid little chunk of traffic and then you could you know, do whatever you want to do with that. Yeah, I mean, I'd pay for that. We actually, we actually are partnered with, loosely, loosely partnered. It's a friend's company that does something similar. They're called, we kind of met on Discord, but their thing is called Keylytic and it's keyword, it's keyword trend analysis and you can pay them for a specific report. Yeah, you can pay them for a specific report on a specific trend and they'll kind of give you back all that data. So you were onto something like, you know, like you, you know, Keylytic started like last year. So any keyword was before it's time, Andrew. <laughs> it's another one of those ideas, kind of like my friend's podcast idea that I want to do. I think it would be super fun, but I'm just realistic about I don't have the time to do it right now. All right. What's your what's your first domain in your in your portfolio or or graveyard if we want to be morbid about it? <laughs> am I allowed to am I allowed to cheat and just tell you the one I talked about last time? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, sure. You can you can reuse that one. I think that one is like the most recent idea that I registered and it's just security, securities.com. So I think it was basically like a almost like an ETF for security companies. So just tracking the performance of the public security companies. Yeah, yeah it was just the stock screener for 30 publicly traded security companies that ex- like currently exist. And then also, you know, mapping out like insider trading and, and whatnot. But yeah, that's that's more work than is worth. And I do not have money to pay for that API, <laughs> I think. <laughs> oh yeah, um, those APIs are probably not cheap, are they? Yeah, I don't think so. I think those are quite expensive. Yeah, finance is such a weird world that I'm glad is not totally in my life anymore as I hold on to like ETH and everything. But anyway, your turn. Okay, so my second one is another newsletter idea. Would probably do better as just like a fun free pay like free newsletter to promote like a phone case company or some sort of you know consumer facing product app something like that but the domain is weeklywalls.com i already kind of gave it away do you want to guess like what the newsletter would have been about so weeklywalls.com would be a free newsletter potentially there's like a paid upgrade or something of wallpapers high quality free to use wallpapers for your phone. So it's just like, you know, two or three wallpapers from random sources around the internet, you know, each each week delivered to your inbox. All right, what is what is domain number 2 for you? <laughs> okay. Am I allowed to bring one up that is live but no longer updated at all? Sure. 
Okay. This was an old project. This was actually a, a small little project that I was building out with my little brother um, who's in high school right now as like just like a way to kind of learn computer science. But also I thought it was funny, but threatintelligent.com. And it's just the Chrome extension that every time you open a new tab, instead, you know, like there's Tabby Cat or I don't know what the other ones are, but it's a new tab override that shows you. Yeah, I've got like an Unsplash plugin that just pulls a random Unsplash picture. Yeah, this one just tells you like a new APT every single time you open a new tab. Simple. People would download that shit. Yeah, five people have. <laughs> oh, it's real. It's live. Yeah, it's live. It's live. You can you can download Threat Intelligent. Oh, you know what? It's threatintelligent.io. I don't think it's .com. Cool. I like it. All right, so idea number three. This one must be, I think this might be one of the oldest in this list. I'm guessing this is like more like five or six years old. Only the fucking best.com. Whoa, that's actually dope. <laughs> <laughs> I have I've since let this domain go. I no longer own only the fucking best.com. The premise was basically just Wirecutter. Before I knew Wirecutter existed, I wanted to make just like a a content site that for every shopping category just gave you one option. I didn't want to have to pick. I just wanted one option. Tell me what to buy, buy this thing. Only the fucking best. And I was going to make it like make a snarky like stamp that people could put on their websites and all sorts of stuff. I went through a big purge a couple of a couple of years ago and I I finally let go of a lot of my domains that I wasn't doing anything with. I figured if I really wanted to do something with them, then they would either still be there later or, you know, I could, you know, move on. But yeah, let go, let go of some good ones. By the way, do you know, I can never remember. I think it's, I think it's nofucks.com. Andrew Morris has owned nofucks.com since we were in like high school or shortly after high school. And for a while it's, he doesn't have anything on it right now, but for a while it was just like a solid black page with a picture and he would just rotate uploading a picture of one of our friends, like a really <laughs> stupid picture of one of our friends from high school. And then he had one of those old school like visit counters on it. And so it would just be like, Josh has gives no fucks. And it would just be a really dumb picture of one of our friends from high school. And I'm pretty sure he still owns nofucks.com. That's awesome. That's a startup I invest in. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you one that I let get away. Okay. Cool. And regret it immensely. And you can guess what it is. It's a malware.xyz. Malware.xyz. Was this a serious idea or kind of a joke idea? Are you say my ideas for jokes sometimes? <laughs> well, hurtful. the way you've been pitching them. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a half serious, half joke. I don't know how to I don't know how to classify it. I don't I'll explain why I don't know how to classify it as a serious or joke thing. I registered it as a joke because it was 88 cents. I currently regret it because I take it seriously. Malware.xyz, I'm just going to assume it's like a, what is what is that that really popular tool that just does the malware analysis? You can like upload a piece of malware. It's like a malware search engine almost. Oh, oh VirusTotal? VirusTotal, yeah. Were you going to build a VirusTotal knockoff? No, I am not that smart. <laughs> I, I am not at all that smart. It, it is not so... It's not malware spelled the right way. It's malware spelled W-E-A-R. This was back when I first started doing the clothing stuff and malware.xyz was a potential name for all of it. Okay, that's pretty good. I like it. Thanks. <laughs> Subsequently, it is now I let it I let it slide. I let it I let it go when 
it said it was going to cost me 80 bucks a year. And now I think it's owned by like a random Chinese company. So my last two are not domains that I technically ever owned. They're domains that Crit owned. And these are both projects, like we actually built projects around these, um, but have since, you know, let them go, let them die. One, we still own, and I'm fairly certain the site is still like sort of live, but it no longer works. Have I told you about critiques before? Yeah. So we bought the domain. I may have even talked about it on the podcast. Sorry if I have. But we bought the domain critiques spelled with a K and three T's. And it was just a large pink screen with a button. And when you click the button, it would pull a random dribble comment from the dribble API. And for anyone not in the design community, all of the dribble comments are the exact same bullshit. It's just like, wow, nice job. This is sick. Great job, bro. Cool. And so it was just like a dumb snarky thing we did poking fun at like dribble and the community a little bit. And it actually like got a semi-decent amount of traffic for a while. Um, and then I think the Dribble API changed and so it no longer works. It's now just, it, it doesn't even pull up a pink screen anymore. It's, it's completely <laughs> non-functional. But for a while, we ran, yeah, just hosted a silly little site called Critiques. So I'm glad that you brought that up because you have talked about that before, but it's in one of our lost episodes. Oh, okay. In the before time. <laughs> nice. So, yeah. So maybe maybe one day the story will get out, the full story will get out there. But yeah, we'll see. To be determined. All right, what's your fourth domain name? My fourth domain name is something that I still, that Miscreens owns and is sitting in the Miscreens Webflow as a staged project. This was at the beginning of COVID and it's called matcha.sh. Any guesses? Any? Matcha.sh. Oh, oh, I actually know this one. I think I know this one. I don't remember if you told me about this or if I just like saw it when I was poking around some of your your stuff at one point. Matcha.sh was going to be it was I think going to be like a networking tool that like matched people in security for like coffee dates or like yeah. not dates but like coffee meetings and so you could just like meet random people and you know try to get to know people. Yeah, yeah. No, that was exactly it. Shit, is that available on our GitHub? That's probably public on our GitHub right now. It was our networking from home thing when everyone was working from home which i thought was super clever but not my original idea this actually uh there's a really cool advertising joke twitter account called dong draper <laughs> it's it's run by a guy named sai he has a really cool following um he posts a lot of like advertising-esque agency memes and he started this thing called networking from home so my last one is another project that crit actually launched and ran with and I would say it was even though it never got off the ground it was still like somewhat transformative because it forced us to experiment with some new stuff and changed up a lot of our processes so this is a project called Albatross have I told you about Albatross before? No, not at all. One of my favorite names for a project I don't think we owned albatross.com of course but but we owned like get albatross like try albatross and albatross app.com like we bought a bunch of those so albatross was a SaaS product that crit built designed built and launched in one month like four weeks Whoa. which i'm still proud of and i'm still like i still sometimes wonder what kind of magic we tapped into in that one month and whether we should be trying harder to tap into that for clients like today because it had i mean it was a fully functional 
SaaS product with like payments and you know like user management and everything. The concept was at the time we were struggling with estimates. Uh, we were doing a lot of fixed based projects, and our estimates were going way over. And we realized we weren't matching our matching our actual time to our estimated time, and like weren't adjusting our estimation process, which is a problem that can also be solved by Scrum or you know there are other more manual ways to solve it. But we were tracking our time. We were creating estimates. And so we basically built a tool that would let you like enter your estimates and then you would track time based on those estimates and then it would match the two up. And the long-term vision was to create kind of what his like what Parallax has done. Parallax is a tool we've talked about on the podcast a little bit before that's like agency management software that does resource planning and projections and all of this stuff. And so yeah, our our kind of long-term plan was like can we be the metrics tool for agencies? Can we create a tool that like gives agencies a better picture of like of all of their data and what's actually happening in their agency day to day? But we were starting with just kind of estimates. And you know, we did a little bit of user research. We got a few people trying it for free, but didn't really get it to go anywhere after that. I think a couple of the things, the problems we ran into were just like just we built it to be too rigid to the way we thought things should be done and so many agencies were doing things in different ways that like if they were doing something a slightly different way it was the tool was essentially useless to them and they did a lot more user research than we did so they like talked to hundreds of agencies to get at what are the standard things that people are doing so it was a cool a cool idea it was also the first project we ever used django on it totally changed the way we started doing estimates moving forward pushed us to start doing road mapping and you know paid diagnostics to start projects. So it was a really worthwhile experiment and a cool example of what you can do when you really concentrate on scope and you put a small team that already knows how to work well together, you know, give them like dedicated focus time for 30 days. But yeah, never, never became a, you know, a SaaS business really. It was you know, stopped at SaaS product. Wow. Holy crap. I do want to ask like why albatross besides the fact that I think you really like seafood. Albatross is a fish, right? I'm not crazy. An albatross is a bird. Albatross is a bird. It is not a fish. <laughs> okay. So an albatross is a bird. It's like the largest bird. I've always liked animal names for, for projects. The very first version of crit had a kangaroo mascot. So nice. I remember that. I think <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah, I might have dug deep. Bit, <laughs> but um, if you've ever like looked at our dribble or something, I think it's still up on dribble. Ah, uh, okay. That's really cool. That's like, okay. First of all, I'm surprised that you've been holding on to that story when a long time ago we were talking about how we went ahead and designed like an MVP like for a SaaS app for a client in the week. And I was like, I don't know where that magic came from. You guys did the same thing. <laughs> we did. So I had spent a lot of time thinking about like how we were able to do that. One, we were, again, we were an existing team who had worked well to like already worked well together. We kept the scope super regimented and we kept the design super simple too. Like we didn't do a whole, to be honest, we didn't do a whole lot of like, design work like we intentionally kept the logo just text we kept you know the design 
pretty simple and pretty modular so that we could build it out quickly. So everything we did for the for that month was we did with the intention of how do we build this as quickly as possible. And we had so we had a back-end engineer who started and like started sprinting on the back end and then a front-end engineer coming behind. We kept it to like three or four pages, you know, maybe six, something like that with login. We kept the scope super tight. We didn't worry about all the edge cases and everything. We were just like, let's get something out, get it out quickly. And when you have that like laser, laser focus on scope, you can get shit done really fast. But there's like a different mindset between that kind of rapid prototyping and creating something that's like a really customer ready product that is going to do that kind of like create that delight. And there's also, you, you've got to have that mindset from the top down. So you've got to have that mindset coming from like the founder of like, we are going to keep this so focused. The first version of the gray noise visualizer was like not far off. Like we designed and built the first version of the gray noise visualizer in three months. And that was going through a more, more of a process and getting feedback from people along the way. But again, we, you had a founder who was laser focused on the scope and was like, we are only going to build what is absolutely necessary. So I think that's one of the big challenges is getting people that focused. And then two, I think sometimes getting something out in a month is great because then you can start iterating. Sometimes if you've already been iterating and you've got something like a prototype out in the market and you're now trying to elevate that prototype, speed isn't always the answer. So here's an... Another interesting question. We're going to derail from this domain thing. Would you ever do that again with your team? We made the decision a couple of years ago that we weren't going to try to, like at that time, we were still thinking we wanted to become a SaaS company. Like we were thinking of the agency as like sort of fueling the SaaS company. And so we were going to try again to be a SaaS company. We made the decision a couple of years ago that we didn't want to be a SaaS company. And we've started to build out a mission that I think is in some ways better suited for an agency. So our mission at the moment, what we've been playing around with is, is this idea of like our mission is to improve the user experience of the internet and at the same time to give people the best working years of their life. And those two things I think are really well suited for an agency where we can work with lots of people and we can hire a team and give them a great work-life balance, build a great culture. And so I think an agency, the agency model is more what we want to do. I could see us doing it again as a way to, for the, the sort of benefits that we got that were not business revenue related, like pushing our processes and pushing ourselves and seeing how much we can do in a short amount of time and how you know, challenging our assumptions that we've built over time of like, oh, this is how much time we need to do things. Well, let's challenge that. Let's see what we could do in a short amount of time. If we said, this is our constraint, we can't do any more than this. But at the same time, you know, I've also been thinking a lot about like, there are kind of these two stages in a company and in a product development. We finally published our interview with Jose Nazario and he talked about this a lot. Like, there's kind of the research and development phase where you're you're trying to just like get shit out there as quickly as possible and like learn 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 learn. And then there's the go to market phase where you're you're trying to now like put some polish to it and like get it in the hands of enterprise customers and create something that's going to start driving word of mouth growth and that's going to 
go from like, we've got an interesting idea, we've got something compelling, to we've got a smooth user experience that people like that attracts people and retains people and helps people grow. And so to some degree, I think we've got to decide where we want to stand or we've got to build out kind of separate teams and separate processes for doing those things. Right now, I feel like we're better suited to help in that second stage. And so I don't know if like pushing our team to say how fast can we get shit done is the best way to hone our skills and deliver value. I think it's better for us to focus on how can we be best at that go-to-market phase where there's already something valuable here. Now we want to like put the polish on it and get it ready for you know production. And no, that makes sense. You know, I obviously, I, I think I told you that like miscreants. You know, we're we're going through the same thing that you guys go through, and I think every agency goes through where they try to build a product out of their <laughs> out of their team. So, so when I hear that you guys have done that, it is kind of you know it's interesting because we still want miscreants, or I still want miscreants to kind of think about how we can become a startup studio. So, and there are people who have done it. It's just something that we decided wasn't the right fit for us. But what's your fifth idea or domain name? Okay, so my fifth idea, it's still online. It was a fun little project to do. It took me about three hours maybe to make. It's called hackerswagbag.com. And this was at the peak of COVID where my I was like, virtual conferences are going to become a thing. Everyone's going to start doing them. They're all going to go virtual. Swag is not a, like merchandise cannot like get to people because you are not at a conference. There should just be like virtual digital swag. And at the same time this was happening, Animal Crossing. I have to be careful when I say Animal Crossing because in my head I always say Animal Planet and my friends make fun of me for it. <laughs> but Animal Crossing, the new Switch game had just released. And in that game you can design your own clothes. And everyone was doing that outside of the security world. And and my brain was like, let's merge, you know, t-shirts are physical and for conferences. Let's merge those two things together. And the whole idea was to just create digital swag and also create some t-shirts for clients, but digitally on their Animal Cross on people's Animal Crossing characters. I think like day one we released it, there were probably got like a thousand hits. But then later on we worked with a conference with the people at Grimm to go and create Animal Crossing t-shirts. And that got like like a thousand plus downloads like the entirety of like Grim hit that page and like downloaded it or not the entirety because not everyone had, you know, has a switch and plays Animal Crossing, but still like we had an influx of just interesting traffic that all downloaded random to different types of digital swag. And that was cool. So we did things like, and it opened the site, it opened up like this whole thinking of like, like what does digital swag actually look like? And um, this was before um, NFTs, but you know, we're thinking like wallpaper, like, you know, desktop wallpapers, mobile wallpapers, Animal Crossing swag, you know, weird like coloring pages, a bunch of like random weird ideas. Discord emojis was another one that felt really interesting. And that was cool to make for some clients, like just taking their mascot and making like faces out of them. I think that experiment booked us a client to help design their conference identity. And that was cool. But yeah, wow, that's such a long time ago. Each week feels like a year, man. <laughs> you sort of tapped in something there at the end, which is I really do think, I wonder if we have gotten too far away from 
the kind of early days of crit where we were experimenting and doing weird shit all the time. And like most of it didn't go anywhere and like wasn't all that wasn't necessarily like compelling from a business standpoint, but it all just created this era, this aura of like fun and, and trying new stuff. And a lot of it led to new process processes and new ideas. And you said some of it led directly to, for you, it sounds like the booking business, you know, in the early days we tried to enforce like the Google 20% time. So we, for a while only took client work Monday through Thursday. And then we reserved Fridays for essentially R and D just like research and just doing fun shit. And then we, we scrapped it because we wanted to get serious about getting profitable and like having a more sustainable business. And that has helped us grow and like has been important for, you know, crit being able to like pay people healthy salaries and stuff. But I sometimes wonder what the right way is to get back to some of that because I think some of that makes the experience of working at the company more fun and and does lead to some natural cool interesting things I don't know if it's like building an R&D team is like better or if like going back to four one days but just charging more to compensate for it is better like I'm not sure what the answer is but I think some amount of like experimentation and everything and figuring out how to carve out time for that is is valuable i have two questions for you one of them is a pitch one of them one of them is a pitch again but (laughs) question number one is because you do because you guys do do like some research right like i was curious when we started the podcast how the product research was going like good security products because i know that you know you've kind of started this product people thing which has been awesome definitely you know, I was curious how the security product research was going. And then before we get into all that interesting pitch, because we've talked about working together and I personally like hackathons and we have, I think it just like an internal hackathon culture. It'd be interesting if we did a miscreants create hackathon and combine forces into like, I don't know, like whatever it is. And that would be very interesting as an experiment of, you know, just what that would look like with our team's meeting. Do we open it up to other people as well, or do we keep it just crit and miscreants? Also, do we do like crit versus miscreants, or do we encourage people to like team up with somebody from miscreants and like create crit miscreants like crossover teams? I was going to say the crossover team. I think the crossover team would be super funny and cool. And like, I, th- I think like, you know, there's a lot. You know, selfishly, I think you guys have really cool processes and and thoughts and, you know, experience that I would love to also learn about. And hopefully we can do the same for you, right? Like, and and return that favor. But no, I I guess in my head, I was imagining like literally, let's just take your team and my team and jam them together into a room for like a weekend and see what comes out of it. Yeah, something like that would be super fun. Cool. I, I like that idea. Also, if anyone listening like really wants to be part of a hackathon, Maybe there's maybe there's some potential. Maybe this is something we've talked about. Maybe bringing a hackathon to DefCon next year. So maybe this is something we try to do, or maybe we pilot it as like a small thing and then try to try to bring it up to a bigger scale. That's cool. I totally forgot about that idea. We should totally just do the hackathon for DefCon. That'd be dope. That'd be so cool. And also that would that would justify me flying out the entire team. <laughs> <laughs> to your your research question. So yeah, we do. We have been carving out some research time, but like so far we we were sort of taking advantage of some downtime that one of our designers had and like really putting them, you know, having them focus on the design research. Actually just got an update on that today. They've 
finished like running an existing client through this like recommendation list that we've built and like ranking them and scoring them and everything. And then I gave them a round of feedback and they've updated it based on that feedback. We're now going to do a second existing client. And then I'm going to talk to a couple of friends about maybe um, who are kind of math whizzes, like data science folks, not about doing anything like that sophisticated, but just helping us build a sort of weighted rubric or formula so that different rec- different parts of the design recommendation are weighted higher and basically just create a more compelling final score so that we can actually like score people and say, yeah, this is an A, B, C or like a, you know, a 75% or an 80% or something. Yeah, I think the research is coming along and it's in kind of an interesting place. And if we can push it just a little bit farther, then I think we'll be ready to start testing it with some real clients, um, which will be really exciting. So I'll definitely keep you keep you posted on that. But but yeah, in general, I've been thinking about research has shifted from like this company wide, lots of people sort of working on stuff on a regular basis kind of thing. And like there was an element of play and fun to a little bit more of like ad hoc projects as we come up with them and like we have to carve out time for them and figure out how to justify that time against like client work or just waiting until we have a lull and then focusing on it then and so i guess the difference there is like how intentional you are about it you know process and culture of of like research or play or experimentation like we're always experimenting with our processes we're always like testing new ideas but those like just sort of silly one-off projects we don't really do anymore at least not on a regular basis yeah i I mean i think it is hard to kind of do it on a regular basis to be honest um i think you know when we got when we got to this conversation about like working on internal projects and startup studios and whatnot my and also like albatross and and thinking about like creating like regular innovation i think there are dangers to that in i think just wasted time and and creating things that are i would rather just see you launch 12 products a year monthly and anyway point being is i think the quality does drop when you force it regularly do you know do you know what my first job was in tech no so my first job i was working for a company called 52 apps later became 52 inc and the name comes from the their whole premise this was like 2013 2012 and so it was kind of like early App Store was not, it wasn't early App Store, but it was still like when all the marketing campaigns in the world were like, there's an app for that. And so their whole premise was they were going to build an iPhone app or an Android app every single week for a year and just build this massive portfolio of projects. My first summer, we built and launched, I think, four or five apps like fully functional apps. And it was, it was cool. It was a cool experience of trying to like sprint and move really fast. And again, narrow scope and just getting shit done. Also, you know, small team. So I, I built a productivity app. I uh, like two or three productivity apps, a children's education game. I voiced a children's education game. I was like a, I joked that I'm a professional voice actor because I was getting paid at the time. And I used some of my time to like create a voice for this character but I mean, again, they, they sort of quickly ran into, okay, if we want any of these things to have long-term success, you know, we need to put some time and energy into them. Like we need to put a marketing campaign behind them. We need to, you know, do some customer research. We need to really put some work into this. And 
you know, not just throw stuff at the wall, but, but really put some time and effort in. And then, so then they spent about a year building a, a product and actually funny enough, became an agency. Nice. And were recently acquired. So oh, congrats cool. to the founders. But yeah, there is something to be said for experimentation and fun and play. And there's also something to be said for focus. So what's your small effort of the week, Andrew? My small effort is to talk to three contractors. Contract, React Native, or Flutter developers. Nice. I did I did see that you put a tweet out, but we'll talk about that in another time. Just I will follow up in two weeks and, and see how that goes. Um, I'm super interested to see what you guys do on the mobile side because I saw that. Um, my small effort of the week is I realized that this is, this is about one-on-ones. Actually, we might just start using Know Your Team, to be honest, but I think that we have one-on-ones and they're really great in building rapport with the team and figuring out what's going on in their lives and, and what they want out of work. But I don't think that I've been very intentional about setting goals and, and yeah, just overall like, like goal setting. And it crossed my mind that someone gave me really good, like a really good idea in how to set good goals on a previous podcast. I don't know who, but he had a, he has a cool blog post. Um, and it made me look into more like smart goals and, and, during the one-on-ones, I've been forcing them into doing that. But the small effort is to get the team to set smart goals, but also for myself to set those goals as well. Fair warning, that's a pretty big effort. That's fair. My small effort is to at least set my own goals. I think that I'm very good at getting to relevant, and I think that I am good at getting to time-bound. But I, I think I could use some more I, I think I could spend a little bit more time thinking about specificity and measurableness rather than like did I do it or did I not do it types of things you know um, yeah so so just trying to think a little bit more about that yeah that's it awesome man well have a good rest of your week I'll talk to you next time yeah you too I'll see you later bye you just listened to small efforts a podcast collaboration between crit and miscreants hosted by Sean Sun and Andrew Askins. Sean is a hacker turned designer and the founder of Miscreants, a creative agency building memorable brand and product experiences for cybersecurity ventures. Andrew is an engineer turned CEO and the founder of Crit, a product design agency that helps cybersecurity founders create better products. If you enjoyed this podcast, rate us on Apple Podcasts and share it with your friends. You can check us out at smalleffortspod.com. Pod. Pod.com. Thanks for listening. See you next episode.